Hey, hey, what's up? It's Azisu back again, E-Society Podcast Anchor Edition. Back again to talk some more re-watching the rewatchables type stuff. But before I go any further, it's the Nez! Yo, what up everybody? Welcome to the show, back with another one. Uh, what do you got for him today? Yeah, uh, a couple pods ago we uh, discussed some of the... Uh, shows the movies rather that uh they feature on the rewatchables podcast i've recently been on the road and listening to a lot of those so uh yeah i just wanted to run by some of the the thoughts and ideas that i heard on those pods and it's just a fun chance to talk about some movies i know that uh uh you're a big fan of too uh i thought we'd kick off with uh 48 hours uh this is a movie I saw, but I was also real young, so I don't know. It was it was right there, you know, with uh, Beverly Hills Cop, that style of film. That all kind it all kind of went together for me. I was pretty young, obviously in the eighties. Uh, it's kind of amazing I even saw these. <laughs> uh, one of the interesting things on the pod was they talked about was uh, how unwell some stuff aged and like there's certain things now a lot of the racial components you know that you know people will be a lot more sensitive to it just wouldn't fly uh with that movie made today but they also talked about how this movie really set the stage just for the future of the buddy cop film uh it really set the stage for uh beverly hills cop rush hour and everything that's coming after it so uh, yeah, I just wanted to kind of get your reaction to 48 Hours, and uh, you saw this one in the theaters, right? Yeah, man, I love this film. I seen it when it came out. Uh, this was a show um, or a movie. Uh, my cousin, he was a huge uh, Saturday Night Live fan, and uh, that's how most of us found out, uh, us older folks, how we found out about Eddie Murphy. Right now. He was telling me, he was, yeah, man, Eddie Murphy's got this new movie. Let's go see it. And I was like, okay, whatever. Uh, I mean, I've seen a little bit of Eddie Murphy on Saturday Night Live. And I really loved him as the Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood or when he's Gumby and just yeah. <laughs> little Richard Simmons and all kinds of other uh, shit that he would do on the show. But we went and saw this movie. Uh, it was probably the first showing. It wasn't, it wasn't packed. It was still kind of a morning, noonish type of deal. Uh, but there, but there was a good amount of people in there. I mean, it wasn't packed or anything. But we watched this movie, and I just remember laughing my ass off. This what came out in '82, so right. I, was, I was 11 years old when I saw it. You laugh at all the vulgar, all the vulgarness of it. Uh, didn't really catch the racial stuff until uh, maybe a few years later when I got older and understood it. <laughs> right. Uh, but now you watch it, yeah, man. It, it's it's still hilarious. This movie still holds up. Uh, just an awesome cast. You got Nick Nolte, Eddie Murphy, Annette O'Toole, uh, James Remar, David Patrick Kelly, uh, the late and great Sonny Landham, and it just it goes on and on. There's more and more people. We even got um Jonathan Banks, Mike from right? Breaking Bad. Um, <laughs> that's probably one of the first movies I'd seen him in. He's hardly in it. But it, it was it was an amazing film. I can throw it on now and just laugh my ass off. Um, and it's just uh, that awesome, man. I mean, let me just give you a quick little breakdown. A hard-nosed cop uh, reluctantly, relu- 
reluctantly teams up with a wisecracking criminal tempor- temporarily paroled uh, to him in order to track down a killer. Yeah, so this one, Nick Nolte goes in and gets uh, Eddie Murphy out because uh, he's searching for this cop killer that uh, he deals with earlier in the film. Kills a couple cops with Nick Nolte's gun, and they're just trying to catch him. So the only way they can they figure out they can catch him is getting one of his old gang me- members, which is Eddie Murphy, get him out of prison for 48 hours and try to catch Albert Gant. Uh, that's pretty much the movie. All running wild in San Francisco, which I didn't even know. Right. Uh, this was being San Francisco, so it was cool to see uh, Bay Area represented in, in this in this classic film, and I love it, man. Like I said, I can watch it over and over and over. Yeah, uh, one of the, the the scenes they kept going back to, and I don't know if this is a personal favorite of yours, but they said it was like almost like a star making moment for Eddie Murphy was the scene in the bar. Uh, where he kind of makes the scene and uh, Nick Nolte steps up and is like, I'm with this concerned citizen. That scene is awesome. It's probably my favorite scene in the whole film. Right. But the racial stuff that goes on uh, during during it, I mean, fucking funny. Man. I, I laugh my ass off at, now, at it now. I mean, I did then too as well, but it's still funny, man. Just, just how raw Eddie Murphy can be, man. And, and it's awesome right. that he came with a comedy special called Raw. Raw, <laughs> and he was pretty raw in that. But uh, it was funny, though. I mean, first of all, I do not re- recollect any country bar uh, with Confederate flags in it and everything in, in the Bay Samuel. Area. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure there might have been, but nothing like that. It was a big. Rootin' tootin' honky tonk uh, type of place. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it was it was awesome. I mean, I mean, Eddie just goes in there. They're basically looking for um, uh, Billy Bear because they said he got Eddie. Uh, Reggie said mentions that um, Billy Bear used to bartend there, so they go in there and just try to ask questions around. And um, Nick Nolte like tells Eddie Murphy, goes, "Man, I don't think you can go in there." Uh, and uh, Eddie Murphy doesn't know it's a country bar. He just got. He goes. I don't think they're gonna take a a liking to you. So he's like, "All right, man." He goes, "You want to experience experience some of my bullshit? Come on, let's go." So yeah. <laughs> he gives he gives uh, uh Reggie uh, his badge, and Reggie just goes in there and just starts off all nice with the bartender, and then just gets raw from there. Goes off on the bartender a little bit. And uh, and then he just tells him, hey, man, I'm just, I'm just going to look around for a little while. And he's like, I don't give a fuck what you do. So Eddie Murphy just walks around and then he goes, he goes, there's so many backwards country fucks in this place. <laughs> something like that. I just feel I just feel bad being in here. And he goes up to these uh, these little country tough guys that are sitting there. He goes, you guys look like regulars. And at this this is in the film, so don't don't come at me. But the the white guy gets up, and because uh, they all know he's a cop, or they he, they hear him, he says a cop. But that guy, I man, it's just how raw it got, man. The guy just goes, he goes, "This is our place. I don't give a fuck what your badge says, nigger." And I was like, "Damn!" I mean, I chuckled in the seat, but I mean, a lot of people kind of went, "Oh!" and started laughing. This is a pretty much a black audience in the theater where I'd seen it, and. I, 
I kind of giggled. I knew that what that word meant. So I giggled and my cousin kind of just bumped me, but it just got raw from there. And Eddie Murphy just like slugged those guys out and just made them get up against the, the pole. And then he just basically starts frisking them. And one see this, this, I think this is my favorite line uh, in the whole, in the whole scene. Once he starts uh, taking stuff uh, away from me, he pulls, he pulls a gun out. Some one of them, a little small, little, uh, pocket gun from somebody he uh takes a switchblade out and he turns that guy and one guy goes what the hell kind of cop are you and he turns around and flicks the switchblade out he goes i'm your worst fucking nightmare man because i'm a nigga with a badge and that means i have the permission to kick your fucking ass whenever i feel like it <laughs> oh man i love that line i was dying the whole theater was <laughs> started laughing hell hard and it was just awesome and before he got into all that when he walked up to them he just when he started patting the guys down he goes i don't like white people you people are rednecks that means i'm enjoying this shit <laughs> <laughs> just just shit like that i mean and even the the racial stuff that nick nolte was saying yeah calling yeah word, calling him watermelon and spear chucker and i was like damn <laughs> right and they were saying that, like, they played the line at the end where he's like, oh, yeah, I didn't mean it. But Betty Murphy has a line from him in the film. He's like, you know, some part of you, it had to come from somewhere. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it just, they were saying that um, a lot of it was just, like, improvised. Just improvised yeah, yeah. Right there between uh, Eddie and Nick. Which worked out. Who knows? Maybe they shot it over and over and over, and, and lines kept getting different. But um, I just liked what they did. I mean, I would say this is one of the beginning of a, a buddy cop film. I could. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what they're saying on those think, rewatchables. I can't think of one. Uh, I want to say in the heat of the night, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, those were older ones, right. but I mean, as far as comedy wise, yeah, the modern. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop and then Rush Hour and pretty much everything from that. Uh, they were talking, there's even a, uh, he tried to, this is one I'm unfamiliar with and maybe you are, but they mentioned uh, he tried to do it again, Eddie Murphy with the uh, Rappaport. It was like Metro. Did you ever see that? Eh, it was all right. I mean, I think later in the 90s, Eddie just started to yeah go down. I mean, I remembered when he was doing uh, the the Beverly Hills Cop stuff after the first one, he had signed a a crappy deal with Paramount, and he just had to put crappy movie after crappy yeah. movie out. I mean, we got Beverly Hills three, which was probably <laughs> the worst one, and then uh, like Pluto Nash and and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. He signed some crazy billion dollar deal for like 10 movies or something so he was obligated to just put out crap 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 right and i i couldn't even tell you the last uh good eddie murphy movie um the clumps uh nutty professor dr doolittles um i did like the haunted mansion one uh, the yeah. disney one not bad, I not bad. that one was yeah. cool i liked it. i was shocked that I, in my opinion, I mean, for me, I think that Haunted Mansion was probably his last um, good movie. I mean, not it was it was a kid movie, of course, because it was Disney. But I think his last movie where he just gets raw was oh, 
way back, I, right? I guess it was sometime in the eighties. I mean, I, I can't think of uh, any Eddie Murphy movies uh, that were like super hilarious in the nineties. Let me. Yeah, because he went more family friendly with the Nutty Professor and uh, what was the other one? The uh, Doctor Doolittle. So, uh, just personal preference. Uh, are were you a bigger fan of Forty Eight Hours or Beverly Hills Cop? I have Forty Eight Hours. Beverly Hills Cop, the first one was funny, but then after that, I didn't really care for yeah. two and three. I right. think. Uh, another 48 hours that came out in 90. Uh, then he did Boomerang, Distinguished Gentleman. I didn't like that one. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop 3 was in 94, Vampire in Brooklyn, uh, Nutty Professor, Metro, Holy Man. Uh, he was the voice of uh, Mushu and Mulan. He was, oh, that yeah, was, that's a, that that's was a funny. big time. Yeah, Dr. Doolittle, Life. Uh, I think Bowfinger. I take my, was was my last one that I love. I love that movie, uh, Bowfinger. <laughs> Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy played dual roles in that. Um, but I guess Shrek, if you want to throw those in, he was funny in those. Uh, Daddy Dick, that I, that was funny. I liked it, but he he didn't get raw. Right. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, and once he hit the two thousands, he didn't really do much. Oh well, he 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 did a lot, but nothing like hilarious. Um, that was a Beverly Hills Cop TV movie, huh? Uh, I had no idea. Must have uh, come and gone. Oh no, it wasn't. Uh... Oh, I don't know. I never even seen this. I'm gonna have to look for it. Uh, I think his last movie he had done was Mr. Church. I, I never seen that. Um. Yeah. Supposedly got a Beverly Hills Cop 4 coming. Huh. Wow. I could picture uh, it, you know. Everything comes back around, it seems like. Grumpy old men. I mean, Eddie Murphy, man, he's still in good shape, and he's still funny. I mean, I, I'd love to see him do stand-up again. Um, they People always, when they, he's rare that he's in interviews, but I think he could do it. I mean, I maybe don't go two hours. Maybe just go up there and do half hour, 45 minutes, man, of some of the best stuff you can write now. I mean, I think he can, what he did back in Delirious and Raw and his very first uh, live uh, comedy club album, it was just Eddie Murphy. Um, I think he can do it. I mean, I have faith in Eddie. I love Eddie. He's funny. Uh, he's got just a numerous classics. I mean, a lot of it was in the 80s. But I think he could do it. Right. Um, so, he had some uh, all kinds of craziness. He never really went off the deep end and uh, went too wild. But um, I don't know, man. I, I think he can do it, man. Um, I know he's going more towards for the serious roles. I think uh, he did what? What was that? Um, Showgirls. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> It was he was nominated for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what the hell is it? I can't find it now. <laughs> it was a movie. I mean, it was uh, Dream Girls. Dream Girls. That's right. <laughs> that was two thousand six. Uh, Norbit. Man, that was funny, but it can never really get too raw. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's, I guess, of that certain age. I mean, and there's certain actors right now that you used to see all the time in that era. Dan Aykroyd, he pops up now here and there just as, like, little featured side characters and whatnot. So, I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't know. I mean, but during during all this, man, this was in the early 80s, and Nick Nolte was just... Uh, he was a big come. He was he was a big commodity then. I thought. I mean, he was big in the seventies, and he rolled into the eighties, and he, he still does stuff. He's all uh, beat up and rugged now. He even what well, wasn't in the MCU, but he jumped into the comic book movies. He was in uh, that first Hulk movie, That's which was right. which was horrible. <laughs> but uh, he was awesome when he was in Warrior. Uh, that was he did a really good role in that film. Um, but this one, man, he, he was just hardcore, man. Just cigarettes, booze. Mashing around yeah. in a sky blue Cadillac, which was awesome. Uh, especially driving that thing, mobbing it around the cities uh, in the city, uh, especially on them hills in San Francisco, uh, right. which was cool. I mean, this movie had everything, man. It had just shootouts, uh, high speed chases through the cities, of San, the streets of San Francisco, uh, and it was awesome. I mean, and it had probably one of the most, uh, awesome uh on-screen villains in this albert gans man played by um what's his nuts i just said his name uh, ajax uh he was in uh james remark <laughs> yeah him i mean i love him as ajax and the warriors and that was another uh this was all this was directed by walter hill and walter hill walter hill kind of uh Keep some of his actors in uh, throughout his movies, especially uh, especially uh, David Patrick Kelly. He's uh, worked with Walter Walter Hill a few times, and uh, Hill he goes on to do Midnight Run, right? Uh, I believe he did. Did did he? I think so because I uh, that's another one we just talked about recently was Midnight Run. Well, on the last time we did this, <laughs> hmm. Let me see. Uh, did he? I don't think he did. Oh, he did it? No. Okay. Uh, he did 48 Hours, Streets of Fire. Uh, that was one of my, um, random, uh, whatchamacallit. Streets of Fire is awesome. Brewster's Millions is hilarious. Uh, the two in Leighton Greats, uh, Richard Pryor and John Candy. Uh, Crossroads, that was all right. Um, Extreme Prejudice, again, working with Nick Nolte. I think that was the second time he worked with him. Um, Red Heat uh, with Arnold and um, James Belushi. Uh, Johnny Handsome. I think that was... Um, what's his name? Uh, fuck, what the hell is that guy's name? Uh, Mickey Rourke. Yeah, he did that one. i seen it once. I don't remember. Another 48 Hours in 90. Uh, Trespass was awesome. I love that film. With Ice Cube and Ice-T and uh, the late and great Bill Paxton. Uh, Geronimo, Geronimo, American Legend, that was awesome. Uh, Wild Bill, never seen it. Last Man Standing was badass. Uh, Undisputed, did you see that with uh, Ving Rhames and um, Wesley Snipes prison movie? No, I don't think I did. That movie's awesome. Uh, Bullet to the Head, oh, he did that one. Oh, that one was awesome, Stallone. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, The Assignment, oh, shit. I don't know why. I, I just watched that like recently. I didn't must have not paid attention uh, that he directed that, and um, I think he's got another movie coming out that's a remake. But I love Walter Hill. I think my favorite movie that he's done, um, 
would be the Warriors. But I think uh, my second favorite would be um, a movie he did in 80 called The Long Riders, a uh, movie he did two years before that. Long Riders was fucking awesome. It's about the um, uh, Jesse James gang. And uh, I love that film. James Remar was also in that. Um, but yeah, man, I just I love what Walter Hill does with his movies. They all kind of have the same vibe uh, in his films. I think everything that I've seen directed by him has that same vibe. Um, 48 Hours. No, Long Riders was the first movie I seen of his. No, I'm going to go back. Warriors, because I remember seeing that in the drive-in for the first time. Um, but 48 Hours, I mean, it's a timeless classic. It's hilarious. It's rough. It's raw. It's racist. <laughs> but uh, I love it. I mean, and going back to uh, James Remar's character, Albert Gans, I mean, he, he was just ruthless in this. He was so yeah. hardcore, man. He, um, he, he got one of the, he got one of the hookers when he broke out of prison and they all they talked about this in the rewatchables it was like he didn't even care man he's got this naked girl uh brushing right. her in the bathroom and he's just sitting there watching cartoons and, and and could care less i mean that's right that's how raw he was and yeah they were the, saying he's he's probably up there as one of the most ruthless villains as far as uh movies go uh, would they, you agree yeah, I think so. I mean, they tried to make his brother all rough and raw, Cherry Gans. I like this character in, in another Forty Hours, but he no, he didn't. No one, he didn't come close to uh, his brother Albert Gans because Albert Gans was fucking ruthless. I mean, how raw? Uh, just kill two cops with another cop's gun and and not even care. <laughs> right. Oh no, not well. He killed two cops, but uh, he, he had a, he had his own gun. He blasted the first one upstairs, and then he killed Mike. Uh, I don't remember his character in the movie, but Mike from Breaking Bad, he killed him uh, downstairs, which was pretty ruthless, man. He was like, uh, there was kind of like a, a showdown between uh, Nick Nolte's character and uh, James Remar's and just pointing guns at each other. Oh, no, James Remar didn't have a gun. Uh, the, Billy, uh, Billy, yeah, Billy, um, Billy Bear, uh, Sonny Landon, he had a hostage and, um, uh, James Remar was based, or Albert Gans was like, "Hey man, he goes, do you want me to tell this Indian to break that girl's neck?" And he's like, "No." And he goes, "Well, then you need to give her your gun." And Mike is like, "Don't give him, don't, don't do it, don't do it for me." That part was actually kind of sad. Yeah, I remember uh, the powerful performance that he gave in just those few minutes. Man, he was like, "Don't do that for me." I, there was never really an explanation of why he would say that, but. Um, I'm not a cop. I, w- I have no idea, but I'm pretty sure they're like one of the rules. Don't ever hand over your gun. And, and that was awesome of Mike's character to like, don't do it, man. He goes, don't do it for me. Uh, get this bad guy because I already had one of their uh, other brothers that was killed upstairs. And and that scene was pretty, was, was pretty hardcore, man. And it was awesome. And then Nick Nolte just kind of gives his gun to, to Gans and he walks up to him and goes, nice gun and just blast Mike. Uh, right on the stairs and i loved the sound effects in this in this i mean whoever did the sound for this film uh when i first saw it um the theater we had must have had like new speakers because i mean even the shootout the the prison break in the very beginning when they broke uh uh gans out from the chain gang man you the the gunshots in the it sounded so awesome the the heavy bass of those 357s uh, that they were shooting, and uh, I mean that was what um, uh, Nick Nolte's uh, uh, Jack Cates his his gun man. I mean that was it. It sounded 
awesome and I loved it. I mean, when Walter Hill does his his shooting his his shooting action scenes, I mean he, he doesn't he doesn't hold back, man. He he just makes it sound sound and look so good. I mean, every gunfight uh shootout in this film sounded amazing. And even if you like today uh with Blu-ray and all these new sound systems you can put in your house, I bet it sounds just awesome like you like I first seen it when I saw it in the theater. But uh Albert Gans and Billy Bear were just fucking two awesome bad guys. I loved both of them in this. Right. Uh anything else on 48 hours? Um I mean, go see it. I mean, I mean, if you haven't seen this, I know it's, I don't know if is it, I don't know if it's for rent or I want to say you could watch it on Amazon. Uh, I tried to, and all they had was another 48 hours and I threw that on and I don't know, like I, I watched, I watched most of it and I was like, uh, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't grab me. Like I remember the, uh, the original 48 hours and uh, it was interesting to hear on the rewatchables, their their take like uh, differed on that. A couple of the guys I think liked it, and the other one was like, "No, not at all." Like, and in their argument was that they blew the perfect idea. Like, what what would have worked so well it is they threw them back together and they tried to just create the same like, "Oh, I hate you" type tension. But would have worked better is they would have been like old friends. Like, yes, this is my guy. Like that was his like read on it. Well, they kind of were, but then uh, the situation with um, Eddie Murphy, because in, in the first one he was only going to get out in a few months, but then uh, some shit happened. Uh, like they're saying he stole some money in, in prison, so they added uh, a few more years to his sentence, and uh, and they, and they were kind of cool because he. He had trusted uh, Reggie trusted um, Jack Cates with that money uh, that they stole from uh, from the drug dealer in the first one. Well, they didn't show it, but that that's what they were doing. That was the plot. They were just trying to get the money that they stole. Um, I can't. Yeah, I can't remember why Eddie Murphy was mad at him. Yeah, it feels they were saying like it, he shouldn't have been like. And it was like they were forcing it, like almost like sometimes sequels do, like let's just do the same movie, and that's what people want. But yeah, on the pod they were they were they were arguing that yeah, it should have been like this is my guy, and it was it wasn't the know? same movie. I mean, yes, they were dealing with the same bad guy family, but um, Eddie Murphy was free and clear. He wasn't released from prison. Um, Jack Cates was looking for. Uh, the Iceman, the, some everyone thought it was some make believe uh, gangster that uh, Jack Cates was looking for, um, and Eddie was like, "I'm out, I'm out, I'm out of prison. I just want give me the rest of my money, and I'm gonna and fuck you. I'm gonna go do what I need to do." And uh, Jack Cates was like, "Nah, man, because uh, you're gonna be released in my custody because uh, someone is looking for you." Because in the beginning of the film. Uh, Jack Cates is uh, he he's, he's chasing down a, a suspect or a lead, and uh, some things get blown up. Uh, a guy gets killed, and then they find a picture of Eddie Murphy or um, yeah Reggie. They find a, a picture of him, so he knows uh, Reggie's tied up into this. So that's why they're still uh, teaming up. And Eddie Murphy was I mean Jack was like, well, 
you need to come help me again or I'm not giving you your money. That was why uh, Reggie was mad at him. So he was like, what, man? He goes, I trusted you with that money. Now you're going to fuck me. And so that's why that 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 uh, the mean tension was going between them through the whole movie, because uh, Jack was like, well, if you don't you don't help me, uh, I'm not giving you your money and uh, I'm going to be in jail because uh, there no everybody. The, the whole police system was getting mad at Jack for spending, I don't know, hours and hours on this so-called make believe uh, bad guy he was searching for. Right. And then it, and it turns out later that. Um, the reason why, um, cause, uh, Jack was getting, uh, the impression of, um, uh, that there's, there's, a, he, he can't catch him. And, and, and Eddie Murphy was the one that came up and said, you know what? The, the Iceman is a cop. And he's like, no, stop, stop with the bullshit. And he goes, well, think about it. And he goes, who has been, he goes, we've been doing all this stuff. Uh, you've been giving all your leads and everything to the police department, and they're all just turning up uh, with nothing. And he goes, like, well, who who could be the uh, the most one that's that doesn't want you to to finish this case? And it was uh, one of the higher ups. And uh, and then Eddie also figured out, and he goes, he goes, the Ice Man wants me dead. He goes, he doesn't, he's not trying to kill me because the money I stole from him, he said, because the reason they want to kill me is because I saw him. So that was the reason why the hit was on Reggie. So uh, that was that whole big spiel. And Albert Gans, his brother, uh, Cherry Gans, he was these like Aryan. It got racist again because they brought in these like Aryan brotherhood bikers uh, into the mix. And it got all crazy. I'm going to have to watch it again, talking about it, man. I liked it. It wasn't the the first one. I mean, the first one is just an awesome film. Uh, it was good to see Walter Hill come back and 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 continue the story. But I I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, it wasn't wasn't the greatest, but he, but it was funny. I mean, we got to see Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte again. But I know there was always rumors of them remaking that, and I just who knows? Someone probably will, but it won't have the. The magic of, of Eddie Murphy and uh, Nick Nolte. Right. Well, that's, I guess, the question that I wanted to have for you last is what would you think about a so-called third part reimagining? I, it won't work. I mean, even if you got whoever's the the hottest two right now, um, let's say Kevin Hart and Rock. They already did that. Central Intelligence. Yeah, they do it again a different way. Which was awesome. <laughs> I love that film. But no, if they called it the forty eight the forty eight hours and no one would buy it with The Rock and Kevin Hart, they would call it Central Intelligence Two or something. Um. Yeah, Isn't I don't that know. Already going to happen anyway, though. <laughs> I, yeah, they're doing another one, which is cool. I'm cool with that. First one was hilarious. Um. I don't know who they would do. I mean, I'll, right now, Kevin Hart is the only thing that pops in my head. He's the new flavor of the month. And um, I couldn't tell you who else. I mean, someone that needs to be super hardcore. I don't know any actors right now. I mean, there's nothing but pretty boys now. Yeah. I mean, well, what if they did it to, like, almost relatively unknowns, and then you did it, like, uh, a straight-to-Netflix or Hulu-type movie so they could do the raw stuff? I wouldn't work. You'd have to have a name. 
Mm. You could you couldn't get unknowns. That's what that's why this one worked. I mean, you had Nick Nolte. Everyone knew who he was. Eddie Murphy was up and coming. He was he was the new flavor of the month. Then uh, he was he was on fire already from uh, Saturday Night Live. He was huge from that. Why not put this hot young comedian in, into this movie with um, a veteran actor? So I mean, that was how that worked. You can't just get two nobodies now and throw it on Hulu or Netflix or whatever. It won't work. Right. Yeah, and I guess that's the biggest issue with it. So, yeah, but I'd say leave it alone. But you can't say that anymore. They remake fucking everything. Everything. <laughs> We're getting Halloween next month. And exactly. Well, not a remake, but it's a a direct sequel. But um, I'm cool. But they have remade Halloween. We had Rob Zombie's uh, Halloween as well as Halloween Two. Halloween was okay. The first one, I, I enjoy it, but the second one was bullshit. Um, but I don't know. I mean, that's the, that's what Hollywood does now. They remake everything. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. My fingers are crossed. They don't remake this, but if they do, of course I'm going to see it. And then I'll probably, who knows, maybe I'll like it or maybe I'll tear it apart. I'm leaning more towards, I'm going to tear it apart. apart. Knowing you. It's not. I mean, I think the last good remake that was fucking amazing, which I was ready to tear apart, was Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. I was ready to murder that movie, but after, fuck, the first ten minutes of the film, I was like, whoa! And it was awesome from beginning to end. Yeah, it had its little tie-ins to uh, the original Romero's Dawn of the Dead, Living Dead, Amal. That was about it. And the name of the title. Um, nothing really, there was cameos from the old cast, uh, that were in the original, but hmm, I don't know, but I think Hollywood, if you guys are listening, just leave this movie alone. Uh, it's a timeless classic and, uh, I think it's, it's, it's here for, uh, it's, it's always going to be here for, for the next generation to, uh, find, uh, find out about this film. I know there's some people that don't even know this film exists. And because uh, I mean, they, people know who Eddie Murphy is. I think the younger generation might not know who uh, Nick Nolte is because I couldn't even tell you uh, what the last movie he was in. I guess I should look that up. Do offhand, would you know? No, can't remember the last time I seen him. Oh, uh, okay. The last movie I saw him in was Warrior, and that was back in 2011. Uh, he was in Arthur, which was a remake. I didn't see it. Um, Company You Keep, never heard of it, but Robert Redford's in it. Uh, he did some TV stuff. Uh, Gangster Squad, never saw that. Parker, I saw that, but I don't remember a minute. Um, did you see Noah? Well, I guess he was a voice. No. Nope. <laughs> Not at all. Run All Night? With uh, Liam Neeson, have you seen that? I think so. Man, that's one of those that I think I might have seen, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. I guess he's got a TV show on Epics. Uh, it was. A, a... Oh, that's right. I've seen the commercials for it. It's like political. Yeah, Graves. Um... I don't know if it's still on. It just says 2016 to 2017. Who knows? Maybe it's still on. Uh, former President Richard Graves is has the empathy 20 years after leaving 
uh, office that his policies have damaged the country for decades. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Funny. Celia <laughs> uh, Ward, she's the only one I know. Else, uh, well, Ernie Hudson's in it. Uh, Nia. Oh, I always have problems with her last name. Var Vardalos. She was in um, right. Uh, Big Fat Greek Wedding, which is an amazing film. I love that film. Uh, <laughs> the Ridiculous Six. I've seen it. I don't remember a minute. I I only watched it once. Yeah. Hmm. Well, he's been working and he's still working. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that that's yeah. good for him. But uh, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, you know, I could see them trying to do it like a thirty years later, forty-eight hours. No, no, he's too old. I don't. It would not work. It'd just be. I mean, Eddie Murphy's still in good shape. He still looks good. Nick Nolte, he's been run through the, the grader. <laughs> right, but I mean that they could use that. They could use. It that. won't work. Like it won't work. He plus, you know, Nolte won't. won't be able to get all raw. Eddie could do it still, but no, nah, it'd just be like. Right, right. It, That's true. It'll, That's it'll true. just be a cash grab. Which will fly. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It'll fly. Right. It's just a, it's just of a time, which is interesting for a lot of these films uh that they redo. Uh another one I wanted to mention real quick. Uh I got a couple I just wanted to, to burst out. We don't have to go as long as we did on forty eight hours, but uh uh True Romance. You've seen that, right? Yeah. Yeah, they we're talking about that, how certain things in that, uh the showdown between um uh, Arquette and um, Tony Soprano, James Gand- uh, Gandolfini. Yeah, yeah. Like how that like is a little on the edge of. Uh, don't know if that would fly today, but I, I you know she does. She do, even though she does win, they 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 argued that like if they did that today, like I don't know, it's it doesn't go as long as it does in that film. I don't know. I mean, they, they, I think with the mainstream films, I don't think they would do it, but a lot of indie films do it. I mean, there's one that I watched called Revenge, and uh, I'll get into that more in the regular episode. Sure. Wow. Sure. <laughs> All right. Um, All right. But cool. I, cool. as far as mainstream films, I, I don't know if they would do that. I mean, we just had Peppermint, and uh, she was getting her ass beaten that, but she was still, she was the hero, and of course she survived. Because she was getting shit kicked out of her in that. Not as bad as Arquette did when she was in in the bathroom, but uh, I don't know. I mean, if they remade that movie, that'd be a horrible idea. That movie's fine. Leave it alone. And the other the other questionable thing where they they questioned on that movie on the rewatchables was uh, Gary Oldman's Drexel. And I remember the first time I saw it, thinking like, "Is this okay?" Like, I don't know. <laughs> no, that man, that's real. There's people out there that act like that, right? So, I mean, that that was cool. I mean, as far as that performance by Gary Oldman, probably one of his best performances. And it was only what uh, a few minutes, and fun. yeah, and he like is also funny, which is also funny because I guess there's like a conflicting like reports where uh, Tony Scott said that uh, Gary Oldman told him that, like, oh, he was just going to imitate his drug dealer, to which Gary Oldman's like, whoa, like, I didn't say that, or, like, that's not true. (laughs) Probably. I mean, shit. I mean, I I know guys that act like that. Uh, Not so far as with with the dreads and everything, but, yeah, man. (laughs) I mean, 
I, I wasn't sweating the character. I was just surprised that Gary Oldman uh, could do that. Did a yeah. role like that when I didn't? I had yeah. no idea. I knew there was gonna be a million people in this. I didn't know who. Uh, we just went and seen it. Uh, Mike, he was like, "Oh my god, see this movie? It's true romance. It's bad out." Okay, I wasn't seen it. And uh, oh fuck, I mean, they show everybody in the trailer who's in it, but it, you you think, "Oh man, all, with all this uh, star power in it." I mean, it was an amazing film. Uh, no, right. Can't say it was. Um, each each everybody that was in it with all these people, man, they they were only in it for seconds. Some were seconds. Some were like right. a, two minutes. Uh, uh, like like Brad Pitt, man, Floyd. That's what I wanted to bring up. That's what I wanted to get your reaction on because they were say, they argued on the thing like his performance being incredible, and they were like there was a moment where Brad Pitt was almost like a, like that's almost, they say his like zone to excel is these like quirky little parts like that. But what ended up happening was he was too handsome not to be a leading man, but they say like where he really excels is in these type of roles. I mean, he, he did an amazing job, man. That's probably how he was, man. Cause he smokes weed. He smokes, he smokes hash. I mean, he smoked out Quentin Tarantino <laughs> when they were doing uh, Inglorious Bastards. Uh, but that's probably how he was. But this was the young Brad Pitt, not not what we have now, the father right. and leading man now. He wasn't a leading man then. He was like he was only in it for, what, two scenes and maybe a handful of dialogue. I mean, if that, other than him smoking weed out of that little uh, honey bear. <laughs> but Right. Uh, I mean, it, it's funny to see him in a role like that now, or even his little bit he had in uh, uh, Thelma and Louise. I mean, he was he was still up and coming. I mean, you, you take what you can take, and uh, I mean, he was good. I mean, he had he had the fucking Academy more Academy Award winner, um, uh, Christopher Walken, and he was only in one scene. Right. <laughs> it was cool to have all those people. Val Kilmer, they show him clearly in the trailer, and you could you couldn't even see him in the film. Uh, I, right. I don't know. Maybe in the director's cut, you could. Uh, I, I seen that a long time ago, but I don't remember. Uh, you knew it was Val Kilmer because it sounded just like him. He was Elvis, but uh, you couldn't see him. I mean, you knew his voice, and that was about it. But uh, yeah, for all the they said on the was pod, in that film. I mean, it, it was awesome. right. Yeah, they said on the pod that the Elvis estate wouldn't uh, clear the music for them to use in this film. Uh, they probably made a mistake. Probably didn't think it was anything. I mean, a lot of these, right. a lot of movies. Uh, when you, hey, man, <laughs> we're making this movie, it's about this, and we're, we had a couple of Elvis scenes. They probably go, nah, that's all right. If you're not like right. a huge production company, like oh Universal or, or something like that, I don't know. I mean, sometimes, I mean, I'm not too sure, but I've read that sometimes when these people make movies, they don't have a distribution company. They don't have a Paramount. They don't have a Fox or, or Universal. They, hey, we made this movie, here it is, and then Universal or somebody will buy it. Uh, I don't know. That's just what I hear when I when I watch these uh, documentaries on uh, how to make movies and shit like that. But I, I don't know. Maybe it was they don't um, they don't see that. Like if I was a huge recording artist or somebody, and you came at me, hey, I'm making this movie uh, about this uh, space opera, and we want to use your song, and I didn't think. I mean, nah, that's all right. And then fucking turned out you made Star Wars. I mean, they right. they did that with the toys. Nobody, right, nobody right. wanted exactly. to buy the the rights. Lucas was selling. Yeah, he was like, nah. <laughs> everybody was like, nah, nah. Kenner, everybody, nah. 
uh, not Kenner, uh, Mattel. They were like, nah, that's all right. And then Kenner was like, you know what? They're a small company. Fuck yeah, we do it. And that fucking how much money did they make? So I know it, it all comes down to right. all that shit. <laughs> right. I feel like in the past eight years, like since around 2010, the whole music thing, though, has like when things changed and things went digital, uh, I think the music companies like opened up because all of a sudden you would see songs in places that you like just wouldn't expect them to get used like uh it was amazing and unbelievable when um madman was able to get clearance on beatles songs which was perfect for them because that's the period that it's set but it was just incredible like oh my god they've got the beatles and then since then it seems like no matter your tv show streaming like i'm shocked with some of the music that uh that these shows are getting like with stranger things season one like when that first hit i was shocked with the with the tracks they were getting for that i wasn't man because all those were one hit wonders fuck yeah right. man i mean i did a hit hey man i'm gonna put it in this 80s show fuck yeah go ahead give me uh 20 grand or whatever of course they're right gonna, of course they're gonna say yes <laughs> i mean well and that's the thing too i've heard netflix uh just like in it just feels like overnight almost like i know they've been around for years but um listening to all these pods i do to hear like the power they are in entertainment and like they rose to the top and like nobody can top their money basically the only person that can touch them money wise is apple and apple right now all they do is make announcements and actually haven't put anything out on their streaming service they're like they just keep announcing stuff, though. It's really weird. But it's like they're getting ready for this inevitable, soon-to-be future of nothing but streaming services. So, Well, that's what it's going to be. I mean, everyone's starting to do it. I mean, CBS was probably the first one out of the, the major networks to, hey, here's CBS All Access, but you got to pay however much a month for it. Exactly. Yeah seven bucks or something like that i don't know it's it's going that way the probably yeah, amc did the same thing too i don't know if you saw that and um they threw the whole season of lodge 49 up if you bought their service you could watch the whole thing in in one go and then they were doing a thing with better call saul where like uh you got the episode with no commercials and then they gave you like the next five minutes or something of the next week's episode so I think they're going to do the same thing with uh, Walking Dead. FX does that. They have one. Yeah. You can pay for whatever and they give you no commercials. I'm yeah. fine. Uh, I'm fine with the way it is now. But I mean, you know, <laughs> I see it them all these cable systems going away. I know. Jeez. Everyone else is, hey, man, just pay us is way cheaper. Uh, I know. And for this whole service <laughs> of thousands of channels that you don't even watch. Um, I know. Soon it's going to be like you, Nez, you're going to have to get CBS and FX and I'll get uh, USA and uh, AMC and <laughs> we'll just have to swap passes. <laughs> but if you have the Internet, you'll get it all. Right. <laughs> some way, some way. Uh, before we leave, get too far away from True Romance, a uh, couple things. I wanted to run by you and get your uh, opinion on uh, one. 
they were talking about how this was written by uh, Quentin Tarantino, and he was the hot name in Hollywood. He had just come off of uh, Reservoir Dogs, was a huge, but this was before Pulp Fiction. And they were talking about what, how different would the two movies be if uh, Tarantino would have directed True Romance and Tony Scott would have directed Reservoir Dogs. Uh, Reservoir Dogs would have sucked. I mean, I like Tony Scott, but he <laughs> wouldn't have done what Quentin Tarantino did. And if Quentin Tarantino got to direct True Romance, uh, the story that he wrote, it would have probably been a better movie. It was still an awesome film. I'm not saying it's not, but I think it would have been better because you know we all know Quentin Tarantino and his style of, of craziness in filmmaking. So, I mean, I, right. I always say that. Um, yeah, they say that on the pod they were saying how, like, Tarantino would have definitely made it more raw and that uh, they, they wouldn't have made it in the end, uh, Slater and Arquette. I guess that was actually in the original script, too, that they weren't going to make it. But instead, they just, uh, you know. I don't think. I think think it it worked better with them surviving. I mean, just the shit shit that they went through. I agree. agree. At the end of the film, man, they were just both beat to hell. Right. (laughs) And uh, she thought that uh, Christian Slater was going to die. Because uh, just that whole shootout, and shout out to uh, Michael Rappaport who was also in it. Uh, listen to yep. the I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast, amazing show. Uh, he was talking about True Man's. Uh, it was just the uh, was it the thirtieth anniversary or something like that? Right. Yeah, uh, that just passed. So, uh, yeah, man, it's 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 an amazing film. I love it, and yeah, if Quentin Tarantino would have did he did it his way. It would have been better. I mean, I'm not hating on Tony Scott. I mean, Tony Scott does some amazing film work, but uh, I think it would have just been better. But the movie, yeah, they the were movie just saying the... it gave it that polish, like it made it gave it that glow that it has. That and Tarantino doesn't have that glow that it, like Tony Scott's films all have that same uh, gloomy feel. Yeah, it, every film he's made. It's got that. It's got that feel, and uh, so does Quentin Tarantino. I mean, you know, it's a Quentin uh, film, and you know, it's a Tony Scott film, right? I mean, that's that's what's awesome about those two directors. Uh, they both do amazing jobs. It's just everyone's got their their different their their different flavors. I mean, Coke. There's Coke and there's Pepsi. Right, right, and right. It, it's like that. <laughs> I mean, you, you you can tell who 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 they are. I mean, I mean, it's just. Yeah, uh, I wish that Quentin Tarantino would have did it, but hey, we got what Tony Scott did, and it's still an amazing film. Right. Uh, well, last impression I wanted to get you as far as true romance goes is they actually, uh, it was kind of funny because it was like, wow, I guess maybe you're right, but they were saying uh, Christian Slater invented podcasting with uh, Pump Up the Volume. What do you think about that? <laughs> and that was pirate radio. That wasn't podcasting. <laughs> but he basically they said basically because they were like oh we owe we owe christian slater everything he invented podcasting nah, <laughs> he didn't. that was pirate radio but pump up the volume was also a good film but uh do you want to talk about christian slater i just watched uh, gleam in the cube this morning amazing right. film uh, i love it not just for the skateboarding aspect i mean it, it's an awesome story and um 
probably my favorite Christian Slater film uh, is that one. I mean, a lot of people always go to Heather's or uh, or True Romance. I mean, then a lot of people do go to that. I always go to Gleam in the Cube, and I also loved him and uh, the Legend of Billy Jean. He was right. awesome in that. He wasn't a star, but he was still an awesome character in that. And he's amazing in uh, Mr. Robot. That's what I was going to say. Shout not caught to, up yet. Shout out to not caught up. Robot. <laughs> yep. Not caught up yet. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, get what, and that's what's funny, too, because that's where E-Society comes from, F-Society. So that was one of the... That was uh, his comeback, I would say. That's what everyone's saying. Yeah. So Because he had made some movie that only made like 100 bucks. Right. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> so, I think it was called Playback or something like that. It was some movie that he did, and it just like... It's like probably the film that bombed the most out of movie history i don't know it was something that i was reading one time and right uh, i haven't seen the film so i don't know but you know one thing he did do article you know one thing he did do that's really funny and i'm sure you can find this on youtube because i was at the mr robot panel when they like brought it up and they actually showed it they were ready to do this but uh slater um in the late 70s he was in one of the first uh uh star wars ads for the action figures that was like one of his first gigs. <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen it. I mean, I probably need to watch it again. But... Yeah. Well, it's funny because yeah, he think... still remembers his dialogue. Like, he did it, like, on the panel. Like, he was like, whatever. I can't remember what it was, but, it, like, in, you know, it was basically like, wow, the new Millennium Falcon playset. Something like that, you know. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. Look yeah. at uh, Van Dam, his first... Uh... Movie appearance was in uh, Breaking. Right. <laughs> he didn't even act. All he was standing there looking stupid, dancing. Right. Oh, and uh, you know Jackie Chan, uh, Into the Dragon. You know the scene he Enter gets the his dragon. neck yeah. snapped by Bruce Lee. That's amazing. Every time I see yep. that, I'm like, ah. Same thing with Bruce Lee, man. Fucking Kato. Right. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> awesome. He he was uh, one of the beginners of. Uh, comic book uh acting he was one of the originals yeah i love that scene in uh dragon where they're doing that and like he like impresses everybody on the set like they don't know what to think he's like hella flipping around and stuff and they're like so impressed <laughs> we need to do a rewatchable on uh, enter the dragon no doubt I no doubt love that movie yeah that's probably my favorite um Bruce Lee film out of everything he's done. Uh, he only did a, a handful of stuff in, uh, right. before he passed, but End of the Dragon is a timeless classic. Uh, and speaking of timeless classic, we're going back to 48 Hours, man. It's it's an amazing film, as well as True Romance. Two films that we talked about the most. Um, awesome. Both of these films, awesome. But if you if I had to put a... I would put 48 Hours over True Romance. <laughs> All right. Cool, cool. Uh, almost gone an hour. You want to put a cap on this one? We'll come back and do it again. Yeah, we'll be back uh, later on. We still got a Star Wars anchor one we want to do. That's right. More rewatchables. More rewatchables. And uh, whatever else we can think of. Yeah. Uh, everyone that's been listening to everything we've had, we've done so far with the anchor, uh, right on. I mean, you Thank guys you. rock. Man. Yeah, we'll be back. We got, uh, like Nez said, we got more anchor. We got regular E Society coming. And, uh, yeah, thanks. Stay tuned. Have fun. Be safe. See you then, E-Society.